Hallelujah. Peace and many blessings. We thank God for this evening. And before the word comes, we just want to bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the privilege to be at your feet and to listen to your word. We pray, O oh God, that even as we have come, increase our understanding of you, increase our knowledge of you in the name of Jesus. We pray that let us leave this place knowing you more. Let us leave this place loving you more. Let us leave this place wanting to be more like you in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Uh, we thank God for the opportunity to be here and uh, to share with us uh, on the theme, living in obedience. Living in obedience. Living in obedience. Um, I think when we look at the word obedience, obedience simply means pleasing the Father. Anybody who lives in obedience is living a life that pleases the Father. So when we say that we are living in obedience, we are simply trying to say that we are longing to live a life that pleases God. Now, when it comes to the subject matter of pleasing God, I believe that our ultimate example is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, I say this particularly because of what the Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter 3 and the verse 17. Matthew chapter 3 verse 17. This was the father talking about the son. And then he said, uh, and this was when Jesus was being baptized. He said, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hallelujah. So this is the testimony that the father gives about the son. He says that this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. In other words, this is my beloved son who has done what pleases my heart. Who has lived in, the, in a way that honors me. Hallelujah. Now, when you look at the way the father put it, he didn't say this is my beloved son in whom I am pleased. He said this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hallelujah. To be pleased and to be well pleased is not the same. You know, so when the father says that this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, it means that in the whole of the universe, nobody has pleased him as much as the son has pleased him. So he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So tonight, if you are going to be studying on living in obedience, our ultimate reference point is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now, the question we have to ask ourselves is, what happens to the man um, who lives in obedience? Or what happens to the man in whom the Father is well pleased? When a man lives in obedience, when a man lives in a way that pleases the Father, what happens to that man? Tonight we will spend some time to look at five major things that happen to everybody who lives in obedience. Or everybody who lives pleasing the Father. Now, let's go back to Matthew chapter 3, but let's start from verse 16. It says, when he had been baptized, 
Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. 17. And suddenly a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hallelujah. So when the Father was saying concerning the Son, that this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, he did not say that in a vacuum. Two major things happened when he said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The first thing that happened is that the Bible says that the heavens were opened. The heavens were opened. When he said that I am pleased, I am well pleased with my son, the Bible says that the heavens was opened upon his son. Any man who lives in obedience to God, who walks in accordance to the dictates of God, that man operates under an open heaven. Hallelujah. That is the first blessing for anybody who walks in obedience, who walks pleasing the Father. Such a person operates under an open heaven. What does it mean to operate under an open heaven? To operate under open heaven means to operate under the favor of God. It means things work for you. It means needed resources are supplied. Why? It's because you are operating under an open heaven. Hallelujah. When a person is operating under a closed heaven, nothing works. When you operate under an open heaven, things work for you. Hallelujah. Because remember that the Bible promises us, especially in the area of Titan, it says that now open the windows of heaven. So heaven can be opened upon a person and heaven can be shut upon a person. When a person walks pleasing the Father, the heavens is open over a person. When you walk pleasing the Father, people who don't even like you are forced to like you because you are operating under an open heaven. People who don't want to relate to you are forced to relate to you because you are operating under an open heaven. And when you read Proverbs 16, verse 7, the Bible says something interesting there in Proverbs 16, verse 7. It says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. So when you walk in a way that pleases God, when you walk in total submission and obedience to God, this is one of the blessings that people that don't even like you, they must like you, they must relate to you. And it's because you now operate under an open heaven. Hallelujah. If we want the heavens to be open towards us, to be open towards our activities, we must learn to work in obedience. We must learn to work in a way that pleases the Father. Hallelujah. The second thing that happens to any man that works in obedience is that God releases his anointing upon such a man. When a man walks in obedience, God releases his anointing upon him. When a man walks in obedience... God releases his anointing upon him. I've come to see that for many believers, we know only one pathway to the anointing. And the only pathway a lot of us know to the anointing is prayer and fasting. So when you ask anybody, how do you become anointed? The only spiritual pathway they know is the pathway of prayer and fasting. But it is not the only pathway that gets somebody anointed. The pathway of obedience also makes a person anointed. Hallelujah. Now, when you go to Matthew chapter 12 and the verse 18, the Bible says something very interesting there. Matthew 12 verse 18. It says, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. Then he says, I will put my spirit upon him. 
and he will declare justice to the Gentile. I will put my spirit upon him. Notice that the father is putting his spirit upon him because he's well pleased with the way he has worked with him. So he says that you've worked with me in the way that has pleased my heart. Because of that, I put my spirit upon you. I put my anointing upon you. Hallelujah. So the another pathway to the anointing is walking in obedience to God. And that's the second thing we see happening to Jesus. The Bible says that when the op- heavens were opened, the second thing that happened is that the Spirit now descends upon him like a dove. The Spirit is indicative of the anointing of God. So two things happened to Jesus when the Father said, my soul is well pleased with you. The heavens was opened, number one. Number two, the Spirit descended upon him. And we see here repeated in Matthew 12, in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my Spirit upon him. Hallelujah. So, obedience is another pathway to the anointing. Now, I always say that when you look at somebody like Abraham, Abraham was anointed. In fact, when Abimelech wanted to touch Sarah's wife, when the Lord appeared to Abimelech, he said that, look, restore the man's wife to him, and he will pray for you, and your household will be healed. Then he says, because he's a prophet. So God recognized Abraham as a prophet. But if you really study the life of Abraham, you realize that Abraham was not like Daniel who did 21 days fasting or Jesus who did 40 days fasting and all of that. So how did Abraham become anointed as a prophet? That this was God attesting that Abraham is a prophet. And what made Abraham anointed was really his obedience. Study the life of Abraham. You don't see him doing wild hours of prayer or long days of prayer. What we see him do is walk in obedience to the Father. So the Father tells him that leave your country and your kindred and go to a place that I will show you. Then he follows. Then he says that sacrifice Isaac. Then he follows. Then Sarah says that look, sack Hagar. Then the Lord comes to him and says that listen to Hagar. Then he follows. So you realize that he was just living a life of obedience. And God says that because you have lived a life that pleases me, because you have walked in obedience, I will put my spirit, the spirit of a prophet. I will put that spirit of a prophet upon you. Now, you see, Abraham operated as a prophet, but a lot of us don't see him as a prophet because we, our, our understanding of who a prophet is is very myopic. Because, you see, Abraham was able to talk face to face with God and negotiate the terms and conditions upon which um, Lot would be rescued from, from um, um, Sodom and Gomorrah. Hallelujah. And that is a major function of a prophet. Hallelujah. There is not any office at all that can work and negotiate things on behalf of another person. It's the sole preserve of the office of a prophet. You must be a prophet to be able to have set uh, uh, apostolic or dominion or authority to negotiate the destinies of men. Hallelujah. And God said that he's a prophet. And he gained that anointing of a prophet because he worked in obedience. There are a lot of people who are praying, but they are not working in obedience, and they are shocked why they are not anointed. It's because it's not only prayer that makes you anointed. Obedience also makes you anointed. Hallelujah. You see, the Bible says concerning Jesus, it says that because thou have loved righteousness and hated iniquity, I have anointed you with the oil of gladness over thy peers. So there's, a, there's an oil called the oil of gladness, which doesn't come by prayer. It comes by loving the way of righteousness, the pathway of holiness, the pathway of obedience. That oil of gladness, that sets you above your peers. It doesn't come just because you prayed. It came because you lived a life that was in alignment to what pleases the Father. Hallelujah. When a man's ways pleases the Lord and he walks in obedience with God, God anoints such a fellow. Number three, the third blessing for anybody that walks in obedience to the Father is that God expands your territory. 
when you work in obedience to the Father, God expands your territory. Many of us, we've read the parable of the talents. You know, in the parable of the talents, the Bible says that a man was going away to a far country and he gave his servants talents. He gave to one five, he gave to another two, he gave to another one, and he told them, do business until I come. Now, when he came, the one who had, who had five did business with it, had five extra. The one who had two did business with it, had two extra. And then he said to them, well done, that good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will make you ruler over much. In other words, he was saying that I will expand your territory. That's what he was saying. Now, a lot of us think that he was expanding their territory because they made profit or because they increased or they made a 100% gain. In reality, that is not why he tells them that he will make them ruler over much. He's making them ruler over much because they obeyed his instruction. His instruction was do business till I come. Praise the Lord. He didn't say make a 100% profit till I come. He said do business till I come. So when he came and they did business, he said that for obeying me and doing business with what I gave you, I expand your territory. So their territory was expanded because they heeded to the word of the Lord. They were obedient to the instructions of God. Now, look at what he says to the one who had one talent. He said that, look, even if you had put the money in a bank, when I come, I'll get some interest and perhaps I would have also increased your territory. Notice that the master was not really interested in the guy also multiplying his one to become two. He was saying that, look, even if you did the laziest of businesses, which is just put the thing in a bank, let it accrue some you know, you know, uh, interest on it, and when I come, I'll still be pleased with you because that is another form of business. Even if it's a lazy business, it's still business because my instruction was simply do business till I come. When a man walks in obedience to the voice of God, God expands your territory. God expands your territory. God increases you. God enlarges you. You see, I keep saying, it's not, it's not the prayer for enlargement that enlarges you. It's obedience to what God is doing with your life. That enlarges you. Hallelujah. Um, as, as I walk with the Lord, I notice that we think prayer is, is what solves everything. It's not true. <laughs> it's not, it's, everything is not because you prayed. Some things will happen to you because you listen to the voice of God. And you move according to the rhythm of God. Praise the Lord. When you read Acts chapter 2, you know the Bible, the Bible says that Jesus told his disciples that do not leave Acts chapter 1. It says that do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the spirit of, you know, the gift that my father promised. And then he says that you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. Now, Jesus told them that you will be my witnesses. That was the instruction to them. That was the assignment they were supposed to obey. You will be my witnesses. Now, Jesus then told them that you'll be my witnesses first in Jerusalem because you are situated in Jerusalem. Because remember, he told them, do not leave Jerusalem. So at the time he was talking to them, they were in Jerusalem. And Jesus was saying that this is my assignment for you. This is the, what I want you to obey. You must be my witnesses. But you must be my witnesses starting in Jerusalem. Because Jesus was watching. And Jesus was saying, if you obey my instruction to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. I'm going to look at how well you have obeyed my instruction. I'm going to look at how well you have lived in obedience to the instruction that I've given you. Then I'm going to open you up to Judea. Then as you are obedient to 
Judea, I will open you up to Samaria. Then as you are obedient to Samaria, I will open you up to the uttermost parts of the world. So increase and enlargement of their ministry and their territory and their influence came as they obeyed. So Jesus said that I will take you all across the world, but you will start in Jerusalem. And as you obey me in Jerusalem, then Judea is open. Then Samaria is opening. Then the uttermost part of the world is opening. And Jesus did exactly that. Remember one day, the disciples went somewhere and the, the people bundled them and brought them before the Sanhedrin. And then this was the testimony about them. He says, these men who have turned the whole world upside down have come here also. They turned the whole world upside down. And that was the promise Jesus gave them. That as you follow this instruction, you will start in Jerusalem, but you will not end in Jerusalem. Today I will come, Samaria will come, the uttermost parts of the world will come. And it will come because you are moving in obedience to what I have given you. Many of us, God is just looking for our obedience to expand us. God is just looking for our obedience to expand us. God wants your name to go to the uttermost part of the world. But for now, he's telling you, just be a Sunday school teacher. That is your Jerusalem. That is your Jerusalem. How, how well are you handling your Jerusalem? You are a Sunday school teacher of a group of maybe 10, 15, but that is your Jerusalem. And God is watching you. How obedient are you to that instruction? How faithful are you to that instruction? And God is saying that from that small Sunday school class, your name will now, you will move from the Jerusalem and then you will enter Judea. Then Accra will know you. Then the whole of Ghana will know you. Then the whole of Africa will know you. Then the whole of Europe will know you. But it will, it will happen as you obey. It will happen as you obey. It will happen as you obey. You know, there's the, the person who sang the song said that when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. What a glory he sheds on our way. So as the glory, as he sheds the glory, expansion is coming. As he sheds the glory, expansion is coming. As he sheds the glory, expansion is coming. And it's because you are moving in obedience to what he has said. Praise the Lord. Number four. What happens to the man who walks in obedience with God? Number four. God is always in operation with the man that does what pleases him. He never leaves him. God is always in operation with the man that walks in obedience to him. He never leaves such a man. Let's look at John 8, 29. John 8, 29. He says, And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please Him. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please Him. You see, when you walk with the Lord, He's always with you. When you walk pleasing the Lord, when you walk in obedience to God, God is always with you. God is always supporting you, because you are doing that which pleases Him. Then I realize that, look, sometimes when you begin to sense that God is leaving you, perhaps it's because you have stopped doing that which pleases Him. When you begin to start sensing that, hmm, it looks like the way God was with me, <laughs> I don't feel that God is with me. Check, maybe what he told you to do, what he sent you to do. Maybe you have stopped doing it. Maybe you have stopped walking in full obedience. So he has left you. He told something. He said that your hair should never be cut off. And then day the hair was cut off, he left him. And the Bible says that, and he, something got up and he said, look, I will shake myself. And the Bible says that, and he knew not that the Lord had left him. Praise the Lord. 
So you, you see, you can use this as a, a way of tracking your life. And when you start to sense that, no, the way God was with me, I don't, I don't seem to feel the way. Check. Maybe you have diverted onto another path. Maybe you have moved onto a path that is, not, that is not where he's directing you. Praise the Lord. Number five. God blesses the ministry of the man who pleases him by causing men to hacking onto him. God blesses the ministry of the man who pleases him by causing men to hearken unto him. Let's look at Matthew 17 verse 5. Matthew 17 verse 5. The Bible says that while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, hear him. Some versions will say, hear ye him. Now, when I read this, I realized that, look, when you see crowds following a man of God, it's not just because of the dexterity of his communication. No, it's because he has followed God, and God has made a decree over his life that this is my beloved son. So every time he opens his mouth, men must hear him. So the crowd that troop to hear him, it's not because of the English he's using. It's not because of, 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 like I said, the dexterity of his communication. It's because in the realms of the spirit, a decree has been spoken over his life. That this is my beloved son. Every time he shall stand to speak, you shall hear him. That is why one day Jesus was speaking and a woman said, Blessed is the womb that nursed you. That effect was because of this. was because this is my beloved son. Because I am well pleased with him, I have made a decree in the realms of the spirit. When he speaks, men will listen to him. When he speaks, men shall hear. When he speaks, demons shall run. Hear ye him. When I read this, I realized that, look, if you want men to listen to you, if you want that hear ye him anointing, please the Father, walk pleasing the Father. Every time you are talking, he's breathing on you. And he's saying, hear ye him. He's, he's speaking to men's ears. And he's saying, hear ye him. Hear ye him. This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. This is my beloved son. Hear. So listen, sometimes you see, you see men of God, they don't do miracles. They, don't, they, are, they are just teaching. They are just teaching. And in our days where we are more fascinated by, by miracles and things, when you hear a man who is just teaching and teaching, and people are just listening to the teaching, it's not, it's hear ye, hear ye him grace is upon the man. A hear ye him grace is upon the man. Because we see we are in the last days. And in the last days, people have itchy ears. They want to see signs, miracles, wonders. Aha. When people gather in a crowd because of miracles, signs, and wonders, I'm not too surprised. But when they gather plenty of people and he's just teaching, teaching, hey, it's not for me. I hear ye him. This, the, the, something has been spoken over the man's life that look, when this man is talking, hear ye him. You must listen to him. You must listen to his teaching. You must listen to his exhortation. You must listen to the thing that he's saying. So sometimes it's a, it's a spirit that is pulling the people and you don't understand. You know, one day I was, I was listening to a, a message on the radio and it was Yongi Cho, he was speaking and he was saying that when his church got to 3,000 he was saying that God, is, is, am I ending at 3,000? Then he said look he mobilized, he came up with strategy that look this is what he would do so that men, he said he did everything, the thing was not increasing and he said he went to the Lord and he said Father I think I've done everything but I'm not seeing increase and the Lord said that you see it's because you are using your human strength to try and achieve what you want to achieve. 
And then he said, the Lord told him that when the Israelites, many of them were in the desert and they said that, look, we want fish to eat. He said, we want meat to eat. He said, what did I do? He said, your spirit blew over the sea and you brought the quail to the land. And he said that, yes, you see, increase is from me. I can just blow my spirit and men will follow you because I blew my spirit. And he said that what you must long for is that let me breathe on then let me breathe my spirit on you. Let me breathe my spirit upon you. Let me breathe my spirit upon your ministry. And you will see how men will come. Then I read that look, something must be spoken over your life in the realms of the spirit. Hear ye him. They must decree in the in the realms of the spirit that hear ye him. Hear ye him. Hear ye him. Hear ye him. Look, when you want demons to leave, it's not because you have fasted and prayed, it's because they have spoken over your life that when this guy speaks, Demons must run away. There's a hear ye him anointing that has been poured over his life. You see, if you, if you understand this, this is one of the things you will long for. That Father, over my life, let this hear ye him grace. Let hear ye him. I'm, I'm sure some of us, we've been in meetings where the person is talking. You, you can't wait for the person to finish so that you go. That every time I notice that, I, I quickly remember this. Maybe I hear ye him, a grace is not upon this guy. That's why maybe plenty of people are just like, you finish and let's go. It's not for nothing. Maybe God hasn't decreed, hear ye him. Praise the Lord. When you walk in obedience to God, he will say in the heavens, this is my beloved son, hear ye him. Hallelujah. Now, let's look at how, so how do we enter the realm where we begin to please the Father or where we begin to walk in obedience to the Father? I will share with us four keys by which we will be able to walk in obedience and walk in a way that pleases the Father. Key number one is the key of walking in perfect alignment to the will of the Father. If you want to walk pleasing God, the first key you have to realize is that is the key of walking in perfect alignment to the will of the Father. To the will of the Father. You want to walk in obedience to God, learn how to walk in alignment to the will of the Father. You see, the reason why Jesus was very successful in his work with the Father was because Jesus was consumed with fulfilling the will of the Father. You remember one day Jesus told his disciples, he says that my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish it. Then, when he was going to the cross, he said that, Father, I know all things are possible with thee. If it be possible, let this cup pass me by. Then he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Then the other day, the disciples came to him again and said that, Lord, teach us to pray. Then he said, when you are praying, say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus was very consumed with finding out the will of the Father for his life and walking in perfect alignment to that will. Hallelujah. So, Likewise, as if we want to have this thing said over our life, that we have worked pleasing God at every moment in our lives, let's find out what is the will of God concerning our lives. And let's flow in accordance to that will. When we live our lives that way, we will live a life that is pleasing to God. Hallelujah. We will live a life that is pleasing to God. Find the will of God for your life. Continue working in that will. Some time back, I was in a meeting somewhere and there was a young man in the meeting and the Lord said that this young man, tell him that I'm going to lead him on a path and he will follow me on that path to a point, but he will get to a point he will say that look, 
I don't think I want to keep following the path that God is leading me. It's like I have my own plans. And I want to jump onto my own plans. And the Lord said, tell him, the day that thought comes into his mind, he should remember today. And he should remember how I'm telling you that this, this is my will for you. Follow that will. The day you jump off that will, you have stopped pleasing me. And I realized that, look, it's, it's, it's like God has a blueprint for everybody. And the, the greatest blessing is to find that blueprint and to keep following that blueprint. And to keep following. You see, a certain glory will come upon your life. And it's not because you are doing anything wild. It's because you have found the blueprint of God for your life. You have found His will for your life. And you are just determined to follow that will. You are just determined to follow that will. You are just determined to follow that will. And when a man walks in such a way, surely the Lord will say, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hallelujah. Key number two is the key of faith. If you want to live in obedience to God, you need the key of faith. You need the key of faith. Hebrews 11.6 Hebrews 11.6 The Bible says, But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He says that, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Look, you cannot walk with God and please him minus faith. And the reason is because, you see, as you journey along with God, God will lead you on paths that you don't want to go. God will lead you on paths that, you know, it's like you, you see green here, and you see dry leaves here. And God will say, don't look at the green. Follow the path of the dry leaves. And it's only faith that will let you follow the path of the dry leaves and not look at the green and follow the path of the green like Lot did. Hallelujah. God will sometimes tell you to do things that... It's not like you don't want to do it. But some of us are afraid of the consequences. Some of us are timid. What if it doesn't work? What if I fail? What if it doesn't end well? So there are many people, the reason that why they are not obeying God is not because they are stubborn. It's because they don't have faith. Hallelujah. The, the, the problem with a lot of believers is the problem of faith. It's not the problem of stubbornness. It's the problem of the absence of faith. If God tells you to quit your job, hey, can you follow? At that point, it's faith. It's a lot of faith. <laughs> it's a lot of faith. It's a lot of faith. It takes faith to please God. It takes faith to keep moving. And you see, and that's why Abraham is so honored by God. Because look, God just appears to you. I always say that, look, God just appeared to Abraham and said that, leave your country, leave your kindred. If at least he had told him where to go, it's easy. I said, and go to a place I will show you. And he does, the guy doesn't know where he's going. And I say that, so you live and you, you read the, the middle of the wilderness and this, this fellow doesn't show up again. What will you do? Yeah, because you see, it's not like Abraham knew God from... No, he came from pagan worship. One day the Lord meets me and says, leave and go to a place I will show you. A lot of us will ask her, hey, he, he, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not used to you. I don't know you. You see, that, that's why he, he's called the father of faith. That's why God honors him. Because a wild animal could have eaten him on the road. 
It's a possibility because you remember one day uh, the, the, the sons of Jacob came to him when they had sold Joseph and they brought the clothes of Joseph and said, oh, look, a wild animal has eaten your son. And the father believed him. He believed them, which means that in those days it's very possible that you'll be there and then a wild animal will just show up on you. Yeah, and it happened to David. David was there, a lion and a bear just showed up on him. He says, then I read, no, in the olden days, it's not just easy like, okay, you move and you are moving. Anything can eat you on the way. And you are going to a place you don't know. At least if you know, you will know the route. You know where to pass. You know where, you know where it's safe. You know where, but he doesn't know. And God says, just, just move. Many of us, if God spoke to us that way, our problem is not, will not be that we are stubborn. Our problem is that we have not gathered enough faith to follow. Yeah, that's our problem. Our faith has not reached the point where we can follow. It's not that in, the, in our heart of hearts, we don't love God. Or we don't seek to want to obey God. It's because the, the faith to move is not there. Hallelujah. Then I realized that, look, it's very important that every morning you wake up and say, Father, increase my faith. Increase my faith. Because, look, I won't make it pleasing you without an increase in faith. I won't make it. You see, one day Jesus spoke to his disciples when he said that, how many times should we forgive our brethren? He said that, look, forgive them 70 times. seven. And he said that, look, hey, Lord, increase our faith. When he says, say, increase our Because it's not like we don't want to do it. But the faith to, to keep forgiving, one, two, three, four, <laughs> we don't have that faith. So it's not that we don't want to do it. We just don't. I, I, I look at a lot of believers and say, that, look, they mean well. It's not that they are, they are it's, it's the faith. The faith is not there. The faith is not there. The faith is not there. Some of us, God is talking to you and says, that, look, just pray for the sick. Just pray for the sick. Just pray for the sick. Just pray for the sake. And you want to obey him by the faith to step out, damning the consequences, whether they get healed or they don't. It, that is what is missing. Hallelujah. So the Lord is talking to us. To arise and preach. You preach. When we preach, God is talking to us. Make the altar call. Make the altar call. And you are, immediately you are thinking, hey, what if nobody gets up? I just said, do you want to give your life to Jesus? And it's like, nobody. Hey, how, how will you go back? How will you resume your seat? You see, so it's not like you don't, it's, it's the faith. It's not like you are, you are stubborn or you don't know, it's the faith. There is, faith is missing. When you understand it this way, then you understand when you say that for without faith, it is impossible to please God. You, you can never walk with God and be successful without faith. Yeah, because see, you, you may get to the end of a cliff and God will say, jump. I say, but God is a cliff. I say, yeah, I know it's a cliff, but I'm telling you, jump. It's like, like you told Peter. He said, that is what I says, come. And you see, none of the other disciples dared to follow Peter. Because their faith hasn't reached there. Even Peter, halfway, the faith died. And then he started to go down. Don't think that they didn't also want to perform the miracle of walking on water. The faith to do that was not there. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. I pray that God will help us. I pray that God will help us to grow in faith. I pray that God will help our faith life to be enlightened. Hallelujah. Many of us, we've, we've, we've received prophecies about the gift of the Spirit that is upon us. The only thing standing between us and the manifestation of the gift is faith to operate the gift. It's not knowledge of the gift. We have read all the books. We, have, we know all the principles. What is left is faith to now jump out and begin to operate it. That is the missing ingredient. So God is sitting in heaven and he has the blueprint of your life in his hands. And he said that I've revealed to you that you will do A, 
B, and C. You know it. You are well aware of it. I've sent the first person. I've sent the second person. I've sent the third person. They have told you now. When you even go to a meeting, when they call you, you already you know what they are coming to say because it's like they've told you over and over and over. The only thing that's standing between you and the manifestation of what you've been told is the element of faith. May God help us. May God help us in the area of faith. Hallelujah. Key number three is the key of continuous transformation of your mind. If you will walk in a way that pleases God, if you will walk in obedience to God, you need this key, the key of continuous transformation of your mind. Continuous transformation of your mind. Let's look at Romans 12, uh, verse 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. The Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that, you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Hallelujah. Now, this um, verse 2 says that don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, your mind is supposed to be transformed to what end? What, what, is the, what should be the end result of the transformation of your mind? He says that, that you will prove that which is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So when your mind is transformed, it leads you to a point where you are able to discern what is good, what is acceptable, and what is the perfect will of God. That, that is the blessing of the transformation of mind. So until a person's mind is transformed, they are not in a position to be able to discern the good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Hallelujah. Your ability to discern this comes from the transformation of your mind. Now, how, are, how is your mind transformed? Your mind is transformed by the scriptures, by the study of the word of God. As you study the word of God, your mind is transformed. Now, we have to know that every time you study the scriptures, you don't just receive an impartation of the spirit of God. You also receive an impartation of the mind of God. Hallelujah. I'll say that again. Whenever you study the scriptures, you are not just receiving an impartation of the spirit of God. You are receiving an impartation also of the mind of God. That God has as a mind. The Bible says that let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So that Godhead has a mind. Hallelujah. The more you begin to study the scriptures, the more you are exposed to the mind of the Godhead. Hallelujah. Now, as you become exposed to the mind of the God's head, you realize that originally you have a mind. Then you begin to compare what is in your mind to what is in the mind of the Godhead as exposed in Scripture. When you realize that what is in your mind is not parallel to what is in the mind of the Godhead as revealed in Scripture, you throw away what is in your mind and you take on what is in the mind of the Godhead as revealed in Scripture. When you do that, you have attained transformation by the renewal of your mind. That is, what, that is how that happens. So when it says be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that's what the Bible is trying to say. That every time you study the scripture, you are exposed to the mind of God. Compare it to what is in your mind. If it doesn't agree to what is in your mind, you throw away what is in your mind and you hold on what is in the mind of God and expose to scripture. When you do that, then your mind is transformed. 
Now, it is at that point that you are able to walk in obedience to what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Because as long as you hold on to what is in your mind, there is no way you can please God. You have to throw that away. Take on what is in the mind of God. Begin to live by it. Then you can please God. Hallelujah. So that is the whole explanation of Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As that renewal comes, by knowledge of the mind of the Godhead, then gradually you are pleasing God. Because you have to understand that our ultimate aim is to live the mind of God. That is the ultimate aim. That should be the ultimate aim of the believer. To live the mind of God. That's why the Bible now tells us that let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So when you are, if you are a believer and the, the mind of God in you is minute, you have a problem. Hallelujah. So when, 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 um, when John the Baptist was saying that he must increase, that I must decrease, one of the ways you have to understand that scripture is that what is in his mind must increase and what is in my mind must decrease. Hallelujah. When you start getting to that point, that is when you can start living a life that is in conformity to what God has planned and what God has in store. Hallelujah. If we will walk in obedience to God, our minds must be transformed. Our minds must be transformed. Our minds must be transformed. So you see, as you read the scriptures, and the Bible now begins to tell you, for God has not given you a spirit of fear, but he has given you a spirit of boldness, of love, and of a sound mind. You look at what is in your mind. What is in your mind is fear. You are afraid to confront the forces of darkness. You are afraid to stand in front of people and speak. But God is saying that I have not given you a spirit of fear. You began to now take out that spirit of fear. And you began to say, this is what is in the mind of the Godhead. In the mind of the Godhead, I am bold. In the mind of the Godhead, I am strong. In the mind of the Godhead, I am powerful. In the mind of the Godhead, I am anointed. In the mind of the Godhead, I am righteous. Once you begin to imbibe what is in the mind of the Godhead, then the guilt that is in your mind begins to go. When you begin to see that in the mind of the Godhead, I am righteous. Because the Bible says that he made him who had no sin to be sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. When you read that and you come to know that in the mind of the Godhead, I am righteous, then you begin to throw away the voice of Satan. The voice of Satan says you are guilty. The mind of God says I am righteous. You throw it away, you take on the mind of the Godhead. The mind of the God says that as far as the east is from the west, that is how far I have taken away your sins. Satan comes and says that, look, God still remembers what you have done. You want to preach? You want to preach? You, you want to preach? Have you forgotten yesterday? Have you forgotten last week? Have you forgotten last year? Then you take what is in the mind of the Godhead when the God says that as far as the east is, is from the west. That's how far I've taken but the, the, the God says that I, I, even I am the one who blots out your transgressions and I remember them no more. This is the mind of the Godhead. This is the mind of the Godhead. Let's start to imbibe what is the mind of God. You see, Gideon was there. Gideon, in his mind, he wasn't strong. Then an angel comes, and an angel begins to download what is in the mind of the Godhead to him. And he says that, I greet you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon looks at himself. And in his mind, he doesn't see a mighty man of valor. In his mind, he sees a man and a people who are weak, who are defeated, who are under oppression under the hands of the Philistines. But in the mind of the Godhead, this is the mighty man of valor. In the mind of the Godhead, this is a powerful woman of God sitting there. In your mind, this is a woman who, I'm not even sure if what, when I share, cry. I don't, I don't think I'll last 30 minutes. Hey, the pastors, they do well power to talk for 45 minutes. <laughs> that is what is in your mind. But in the mind of the Godhead, this is a powerful woman of God. 
In the mind of the Godhead, this is a powerful apostle. In the mind of the Godhead, this is a woman who will see dreams and visions. In your mind, oh, dreams and visions, where? Me, I don't dream. I was talking to one lady. He said, oh, me, I don't dream. And I said, God says you will be a dreamer. And she started to dream. She started to dream. And she said, how is it? I said, this is what is in the mind of the Godhead. You have to start accepting that in the mind of the Godhead, you are a Joseph, you are a dreamer. In your mind, me, I don't dream. In the mind of the Godhead, you are a dreamer. That is how transformation of mind comes. Then we begin to live in line with the purposes of God for our lives. Hallelujah. And then the last key is the key of sacrifice. The key of sacrifice. If we will live in obedience to God, if we will live pleasing the Father, we have to learn the key of sacrifice. The key of sacrifice. You see, nobody has been able to please God minus the element of sacrifice. No, no. What everybody who God has said that I'm pleased with this person. I'm pleased with that. They have sacrificed one thing or another. They have sacrificed one thing or another. Jesus had to sacrifice his estate in heaven to come down to earth to give his life for us. Abraham had to sacrifice his, his family and his kindred to go to a place he doesn't know. He had to sacrifice his Isaac. Hannah had to sacrifice her, her Samuel just so that Israel can have a prophet. Once other two mothers were playing with their child for a while she had to give Samuel away. And it had nothing to do with her. It had everything to do with the destiny of an Israel. Israel needed a prophet. There were no visions. When you read the time of Samuel, the Bible says that, and there were no open visions. All of Israel was waiting for a Samuel to come. And that Samuel was dependent on the obedience of a Hannah. And Hannah had to sacrifice herself. You see, it's what, sometimes when we read the scriptures, we think that it was easy. Oh, okay. Have you, you imagine if you had a child and you're going to dash the child. That, okay, I'm dashing the child to God. How will you feel? Especially when you waited many years. And God is saying that, sacrifice your child. Sacrifice your child for me. Sacrifice your child for the destiny of all of Israel. Sacrifice your child. You see, a lot of us, we are holding on to our Samuels. God is telling you that, look, there's a, and I wouldn't be surprised if we get to heaven and Hannah has a big reward in heaven. I wouldn't be surprised. And her big reward may be just because she gave out the Samuel. Just because I sacrificed my Samuel. Just because I didn't hold my Samuel to myself. But I gave Samuel. You see, after waiting so many years, of course, I'm sure everywhere she'll go, she'll want to take the child and, and share testimony. But God says, no, sacrifice. Sacrifice. Sacrifice your Samuel. Sacrifice your Samuel. So I was, we are holding on to our Samuels. That's why we can't please God. We are holding on to your Samuel. And God is saying, let the Samuel go. Let the Samuel go. See, that's why the Bible says that for our light of affliction, which is but for a moment, it worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Many of us are mindful for the momentary weight of glory, but the eternal weight of glory. The eternal weight of glory. If Hannah had kept Samuel here, the momentary weight of glory would have come to her. They would have praised God. Oh, God has given you a child. Hey, 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 your child is beautiful, handsome. But he thought, she thought about the eternal weight of glory. The eternal weight of glory. And it all had to do with sacrifice. 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 You can never obey God without sacrifice. Some of us, we have to sacrifice some money. Some of us, we have to sacrifice some time. Some of us, we have to sacrifice some resources. 
Somebody may have to sacrifice a house. Somebody may have to sacrifice a job. Somebody may have to sacrifice the opportunity of moving abroad. Somebody may have to sacrifice an opportunity of being in a certain position. And God is watching. And God is saying, as you are sacrificing, you are walking in a way that pleases me. As you are sacrificing, you are pleasing me. As you are sacrificing, you are pleasing me. And eventually there will be an eternal weight of glory that will come upon your life. Hallelujah. I believe that tonight God has spoken to us. God has blessed us. God has opened our eyes to certain things. I'm sure as the word of the Lord was coming, God began to show you the loopholes in your life. God began to minister to you places that you have to take heed about. In the next few minutes, our time is up. We just want to close our eyes, want to pray. And you just want to say, Father, help me. 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 In the name of Jesus. Father, help me. I want to live in obedience to you. I want to live pleasing you. But my, my area is that I'm, I'm, I'm not able to sacrifice. My area is that I lack faith. My area is that I'm not able to sacrifice. My area is that I need a lot of transformation in my mind. Father, help me tonight. Father, help me tonight. Father, help me tonight. Help me to increase in faith towards you. Help me to increase in faith towards you. We've learned tonight that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Father, my faith is small. There are many things you have spoken to me, but my faith is small. I'm not able to move in the realms you have called me to move in. It's not because I don't want to. It's not because I don't love to. It's because my faith is small. Help me in faith. Increase my faith. Increase my faith, O God. Increase me in faith, O God. Increase me in faith, O God. Increase me in faith, O God. In the name of Jesus. Father, I need a lot of transformation in my mind. I need a lot of transformation in my mind. There are a lot of things in my mind which does not conform to your word. Father, in the name of Jesus, help me to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. In the name of Jesus, help me to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. As I study the scriptures, Lord, as the scriptures come to me, Lord, let there be transformation of my mind. Let there be transformation of my mind. Let there be transformation of my mind. In the name of Jesus, Father, help me to let go. Help me to sacrifice. Help me to let go. Help me to sacrifice. Help me to let go. Help me to sacrifice. I've been struggling to sacrifice some things. You have spoken to me once and twice and three times. But I'm, I'm struggling to sacrifice. I'm struggling to sacrifice that thing. Father, help me. Help me tonight. Help me tonight. Help me tonight. Give me great grace. Give me great grace. Give me great grace. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for your word which has come unto us. We thank you for opening our eyes to see the areas where we fall short in our attempt to please you, in our attempt to walk in obedience towards you. We pray, help us in the area of faith, help us in the area of sacrifice, help us in the area of transformation of our mind, help us in the area of following your will. In the name of Jesus, we thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name we've prayed with thanksgiving. Amen. Peace and many blessings.